I'm excited to bring you a message this morning. I spoke last week. Uh, if you were here, you'll remember that we started uh, thinking a little bit about where our eyes uh, are. And I think there's something within our body language that we need to, to kind of understand is that sometimes our eyes go down because of lots of different reasons. I wonder if you, can you, everyone just look down? Just look, maybe just look into your lap kind of where you are and, and I just think just keep your eyes down just keep your eyes just kind of look at the floor uh, and I don't want, I don't want to change the position uh, of your head just look at the floor and, and as you're looking at the floor um, I'd love you to just put your hand up if you can if you can see the window no oh okay yeah do you know what you can look up now you can look at it that's a bit silly but Jesus is in the window there. Yeah, Jesus is kind of everywhere, you know. The Holy Spirit's moving amongst us now. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is when we, when we look down, we can't see what's ahead. We can't see what's up. And, and I was saying last week, I've had a really difficult summer. It's been really tough. And in fact, I know lots of us have, and it's been really hard. We've been dealing with some really tough stuff that life throws up. We've been dealing with death. We've been dealing with uncertainty, uh, uh, unexpected change. Uh, I've been tired, and it's, been, it's really hard. And I know that so often when we struggle with fear or fatigue or frustration, our eyes just go down. You know, oh, we kind of end up like this, and it's kind of a body language thing. And, uh, and I was really challenged a couple of weeks ago, I said this last week, I read it in the psalm, I think it's Psalm 71 verse 5, it just says this, it says, for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth, and confidence is something that God has spoken to me a lot about in my life, Uh, you know, I I believe that as Jesus' followers, we should be the most confident people in the world, not in a a kind of an arrogant way, but in, in in an absolutely reassured about who we are, confident way, and confident people don't walk around with their eyes down. And I believe that God is calling us to look up, to raise our eyes. And I was challenged as I, as, as I read that. You, know, you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence. You know, you are the one that calls me forward. And a couple of years ago, we began a series called Bold. Uh, and we looked at how God was calling us to be bold and confident as a church. And as I thought a little bit about what is it that God's calling us to in this season? You know, what is it that God wants to say to us? How does he want to kind of envision us to step forward together? I couldn't get that out of my head. And, and I just felt that God's word for us for this season is bolder. You know, we've been bold, but God's saying, I'm calling you to be bolder, to lift up your eyes to look to me, lift up your eyes, be confident as you see me. And I've been so inspired by so many of you because I know so many of us have had actually really tough summers. A lot of us have had some really difficult months, I know that. And I've been inspired in the conversations that I've had with some of you, just in the ways that you've been able to lift your eyes up and continue to look to Jesus in some really, really difficult circumstances you know and I think that's another amazing thing about what we get to do together as family we get to be companions in this and we get to inspire one another in the ways that we are bold in the ways that we keep our eyes lifted in the ways that we fix our eyes on Jesus you know I love the fact that we get to do this stuff together but you know the key thing is we've got to keep looking to Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is challenging us to have a bolder vision of who he is. And so last week we looked at Daniel. Uh, we spent a bit of time looking at the fact that Daniel saw something. 
that changed everything. And we, we looked at this vision that, that Daniel had, this bold vision of Jesus as, as sovereign and Jesus as saviour. Jesus as the only one who is in charge, the ruler, the king, uh, but also the saviour who comes to rescue, uh, to heal. It's an apocalyptic vision and we're going to stay with the apocalyptic theme today, as I said we would uh, yesterday, and we're going to jump into the book of Revelation. Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you open up Revelation chapter 1, and, and whilst you're finding that, let me give you uh, a little bit of context about the book of Revelation. I said we're going apocalyptic for a couple of weeks, because uh, I want to expand your vision of Jesus. Uh, there's an epicness about who Jesus is that we see uh, when we see some of these apocalyptic visions, and, and I'm, I'm saying the word apocalyptic to you, because I know it's, it's something that's kind of arresting, isn't it? And when we say apocalyptic you know it kind of makes us think oh gosh what's going on you know there's something dynamic about that word and uh, but I just want to reassure you uh, you know so often when we think about apocalypse apocalyptic now in our culture we we kind of have all these just mad film ideas of like uh, sort of demons and angels and warring and ends of times and uh, and actually it's kind of ended up uh, meaning that because of all the stuff that we see in Revelation and various things that people have extrapolated, some crazy, some good, um, uh, but we've ended up with this understanding of the word. But when we look back to Scripture, uh, the original word uh, for revelation is uh, apocalypsis. This is where it comes from. Uh, it's what we translate as revelation. So at the beginning of this book, uh, when John says, I had a revelation uh, from God, he's saying the word apocalypsis, and it literally means unveiling, uncovering. You know, and this is what I believe God wants to do for each of us to unveil a new, expanded, epic picture of who Jesus is and the ways that he wants us to engage with him and join in with him. And so we looked at Daniel's vision uh, last week, uh, and we're going to look at at John's vision this week. And and it's an amazing message for us. Uh, In fact, Revelation says that right at the beginning. It's for us. You know, it's it's not just... It's not just for experts who kind of dissect this incredibly technical book that so often uh, the church kind of actually rarely teaches on. You know, and it's not just for, for weirdos who come up with all sorts of crazy theories about uh, kind of conspiracy and, what, and what, what's happening at the end of the world. But this is, this is an amazing message from God for us, given through a chain of witnesses that we read right at the beginning uh, that God gave this message to Jesus and Jesus gave the message to an angel and the angel gave the message to John so that John could write it down and give it to us. This is an amazing message for us, given to Jesus, to an angel, to John, who happened to be on the Isle of Patmos at the time. Anyone been to Patmos? No, to yet, to me and Charlotte. <laughs> love, love the Greek islands. Uh, we'll come back to Greek islands in a moment. Um, and uh, it's, it's given for us. And, it, and the thing about Revelation, just before we, we, we read a bit, is it's something that's kind of, it's given to us in kind of like a sign language. Right at the beginning, in the, in the first three verses, uh, it, it says um, that God made it known. And that literally means to signify, kind of to symbolize. So the way that God has given this message is to symbolize it. Uh, and actually, as we read through, which we'll do in a moment, uh, we can see there's so much imagery, so many symbols, which are all drawn primarily from the Old Testament, which help us to get a glimpse of this epic 
God uh, that we are invited to see. Uh, in verse 2, uh, John says that, that he testifies to everything that he saw. You know, this is not just a message that, that we're supposed to hear, but one that we're supposed to see. You know, remember again, this is all about seeing. This is about our vision. This is about lifting our eyes up to see something that is heavenly and epic. Uh, and just before I read, just one more encouragement. In verse 3, it said, Blessed is the one who reads these words of these prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. Who wants to be blessed today? Yeah? Okay, well, I'm going to read it. You're going to hear it. So that means we're all going to be, we're all going to be blessed. Um, we're going to go from, I'll, I'll, you, I'll read verse 1, and then I'll jump to verse, uh, to verse 9. So the revelation from Jesus Christ, which he gave to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. In verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus Christ, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the last day I was in the Spirit, on the Lord's day, so I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatari, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now these are all ancient cities, by the way, in the Roman Empire, primarily in kind of uh, what's now sort of Greece and Turkey and a little bit around at the top of, uh, of Egypt. So I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place Later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Hey, why don't you pray with me a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for your word. Lord, thank you that you are a God who speaks Thank you that you spoke in the past and that you speak today through your word and through your spirit to each and every one of us. And Lord, as we just take these moments uh, to consider this passage together and, uh, and to ask you uh, for a bigger vision of who you are and what it is that you're calling us to, Jesus, we pray that you would move amongst us, challenge us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Hey, I've really enjoyed uh, over the last couple of weeks just thinking and wrestling with some of these uh, passages. Uh, we looked in Daniel and now in Revelation. Uh, they're incredibly vivid images, aren't they, uh, that get cast. Yeah, I, I don't know what you were doing when I was just reading that. You might have been following the words on the page. Uh, I saw some of you had your eyes closed. Uh, I, I wonder, you know, if as we read that stuff or as we hear it, uh, whether God uses those things to generate pictures in our minds. You know, I would encourage you. Uh, if that's the way you process stuff, allow your mind to do that. You know, for me, I'm a really visual person. You know, I love graphics. I love art. I love to see things. I like things to be to be straight and lined up. It really annoys me when the, the chairs aren't quite straight. Uh, you know, sometimes you may come in and I might actually move a row whilst you're already kind of on it. Uh, you know, but for me, I love I love stuff to be to be to be looking good. You know, and I would encourage you, we're not all, we're not all made like that, but you know, if, if you are someone who, who likes to see pictures, allow your minds to be drawn into a place here as we look at these visions of Jesus from a heavenly perspective. Allow your mind to see the picture, to see the picture unveiled before us of this epic, epic Jesus. Because it is Jesus that we're talking about here. Yeah, and we see that straight away as we kind of, as we read through and we see it kind of clarified, you know, I am the one who is risen. You know, I was dead, but now I am alive. You know, right at the start of, of this vision that then goes on for about 20 odd chapters here, uh, Jesus is kind of identifying himself. I'm the one that you're looking at here. And, uh, and we kind of see who this Jesus is. And there's a few kind of key characteristics I just want to quickly pull out. They're all kind of steeped in this Old Testament symbolism. Uh, we see Jesus really as priest and as king. You know, the first thing that we notice about this vision is this figure who's walking among the lampstands. And of course, lampstands are temple furniture. You know, these are the things that we read about in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is here uh, drawing immediately on the language uh, of the Old Testament and the stuff that we found uh, in the priests and the prophets uh, of old. Uh, we read he's wearing a, a, priestly, a priestly robe. He, he's got long hair representing the wisdom of age and it's, uh, it's white like a judge. He, he's got kind of the shining robe, the blazing eyes of a king with authority uh, and with power uh, and the sword coming out of his mouth that we read about uh, kind of references some of the promises that, that the prophet Isaiah told about the coming king. And of course we see him as the rescuer, this title son of man that gets used, which we talked about last week, uh, which Daniel uh, saw in his vision, one like a son of man. Something that then echoes throughout scripture and Jesus himself takes that title as he stands before the courts in his day and says, I am. You will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in glory. You know, Jesus loved these visions. He referenced what Daniel saw and again we see this picture of this coming uh, Son of Man coming to rescue because as well as a priest and a king, what we see here is a divine image of a God. White hair, 
like the Ancient of Days. Remember again last, last week we were talking about uh, this picture in Daniel, which is kind of two parts. Firstly, the Ancient of Days, representing this God who always was and always will be, who had this white hair. Uh, and then we saw this Son of Man figure coming. But here in Revelation, we kind of see the, the culmination of these two pictures. And actually now it's Jesus who has the white hair. Jesus who is God. In verse 15, the sound of rushing water. You know, the voice was like the sound of rushing water. This is a reference to Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, uh, you know, who talked about uh, the God of Israel, whose voice was like the sound of rushing water. You know, again from Isaiah, we get the reference to the first and the last, which is uh, put here. You know, the God who is alive forever and ever that we read about in Deuteronomy. You know, this is God himself divine, spoken about here in the language of the prophets. Jesus, sovereign, saviour, priest and king, God himself, epic and awesome. But what I love about this vision, and again we saw this last week, is not only do we get presented this incredible dynamic figure, But the first thing that happens is we see him walking amongst the lampstands, which we know represent the church. You know, and straight away again, we have this picture of our divine God, who is awesome and epic, yet he is here and he is with us. He is walking amongst us. You know, I love the picture of the stars in his hands. You know, the God who holds each one of us in his hands. You know, this kind of multifaceted Jesus that we are called to lift our eyes up to see. This is the heavenly perspective that we are invited to, to see. You know, I was thinking about uh, the window behind me a little bit, actually. It's something that we don't uh, reference much or talk about much. And I think in the middle there, um, it's actually only made, it looks like it's really old, doesn't it? It was only made it in the 60s. Uh, you can do some reading up on it, one. But a really famous artist in the 60s was commissioned, and he made uh, that stained glass window. There used to be uh, a kind of a great big, what's called a reredos that used to go up uh, the back of the church, so there was no window there at all, uh, but that got taken down, and in the 60s they put this window in there, and, uh, and one of the amazing things about that window, and windows like this, is, is it lifts your eyes up, doesn't it? You know, and the picture in the middle is, is a picture of, of the ascended Christ, Jesus, risen in heaven, and then you've got Moses on the left with the horns, it's a bit weird. You know, you always know it's Moses when they've got horns. There's a whole other story. I'll tell you about that later. And, um, and then I'm assuming it's St. Paul on the right um, with, the, you know, with, the, with the law. It's kind of representing the old and the new. Uh, and Jesus in the middle. And, and the amazing thing about church architecture and church art is actually it's all, it's all kind of created in order to lift your eyes, isn't it? You know, when you walk, when you walk into a church, you know, particularly something big, because if you ever go to St. Paul's Cathedral, you know, something like that, your eyes are lifted You know, often they would paint things on the ceilings, you know, so you've got that constant reminder to lift up your eyes. 
You know, and again, I think that's what God is encouraging us to do today. No matter where it is that we find ourselves, you know, what it is that's going on in our life, in our family, in our work situation, the ways that we're studying, the choices we're having to make, the things that are great, the things that are tough, God is encouraging us to lift our eyes up and to see him again, to see him afresh. You know, because there's a wonderful byproduct of lifting our eyes up to Jesus. And this is what I really want to talk to us about today. Uh, and that is that as we lift our eyes up to see Jesus, we, we see everything else as well, too. You know, last week, uh, kind of my message was called Eyes Up. You know, and today, uh, I want to call it Eyes Out. You know, this is, this is the kind of church that we're called to be. Uh, As we get a bolder view of Jesus, our eyes go up and our eyes go out. And in fact, it's through this vision of Jesus that we get a lens within which to see the rest of the world, to see the context uh, within which God is calling us uh, to be. In verse 9, I love it how John uh, starts this and calls himself, he, he says, I am your companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. And today I wanted just to begin by reminding us of this epic picture of Jesus, really here in Revelation, which is echoed through from Daniel that we spent some time looking at last week. But what I'd love us to really think about today is this verse 9, where John gives us the context. He says, I'm your companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. And then we get this epic picture of Jesus through which we get to see and view the context of suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. You know, there's an amazing contrast, isn't there, between suffering and kingdom. So I'm your companion in suffering and in kingdom. You know, who wants to be involved in kingdom? Anyone want to be involved in kingdom? Yeah? Yeah? Who wants to be involved in suffering? Yes. Great. You can take one for the team over there. You know, we're called to be involved in both suffering and kingdom. You know, sometimes we talk about, um, uh, we talk about the kingdom of God as both now and not yet. You know, this idea that, uh, that, that we see God breaking through into this world. We see glimpses of his kingdom, but there is so much that is not yet. You know, we just prayed earlier in our service today about violence and about stuff that's going on in our community. We know that these are not things of God's kingdom. These are, these, are, these are not right. This is not what we want to see. This is the stuff that breaks God's heart. But this is the context within which we are. But that's not just the context with which we are because we're also about kingdom. You know, I think um, the amazing thing about this, this vision here is the context in which John receives it. Because on one level, you can just kind of read through, if you, if you read through the whole book of Revelation, it's just like mad pictures, but you could just, it's just this incredible, it kind of finishes, it's the, in, this is the end. Revelation is the last bit. It's the bit where we read about victory. You know, it finishes with the new Jerusalem. It finishes with these pictures of heaven, of Jesus that has won the battle. This is all about kingdom. Jesus being the king, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, that every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You know, this is the best bit. This is the bit where, where, where he wins. And John's seeing all this whilst on Patmos. But he's not now on holiday 
He's there in exile. You know, when I think about Patmos, you know, I think about, you know, I'm sitting on the beach, you know, there's maybe, maybe a pina colada floating around somewhere, you know, I've got a windsurf board over there, you know, it, we're having a good time. You know, but John is here uh, in exile. He says, for the sake of the word of the Lord. You know, it might be that he's in forced labor, he's probably breaking rocks, he might have even been in chains. He's not having a great time. Yet it's in this context of exile and suffering, that he is given this incredible epic picture of who Jesus is as king. You know, there's this contrast between suffering and kingdom, and it's something that we are called into. Uh, and I wonder if even as Christians, you could almost put it like this and say that we are both extreme pessimists and extreme optimists all at the same time. You know, we're extreme pessimists because we know that our world is messed up. You know, in fact, if we're honest, we know that much of our lives, ourselves, is messed up and things are not as we would want them to be. And we're pessimists because we know that something is not just suddenly going to make everything better and we're just suddenly going to be drawn into this kind of triumphant uh, victory. This world is broken. But at the same time, we are ultimately optimists because we know the end of the story. We know what we're told in Revelation. We know that Jesus is the King of Kings. And actually, we get glimpses of what that means for us now today. That's why we can stand and worship and have fun together and pray together. We can see God at work amongst us. But it is both now and not yet. I came across an article, uh, which I just want to read you a little bit uh, of, um, which really challenged me. Uh, there's an article about um, there's an a, a Egyptian teenager um, who, who became a Christian uh, after witnessing the faith of his father, uh, who was brutally murdered by Muslim extremists in, in Egypt after he refused to convert to Islam. Uh, and it's a tragic article, but um, it was only—it was just in September, just this last month. So there's a recent thing, and, and at the end of the article, um, there's a pastor of one of the churches in Cairo uh, who says this. He says, the mood is very, very good amongst Christians who are living in Egypt. Not because the situation is good or bad. That's not the reason. You see, we have two kinds of news. We have earthly news, which is actually very ugly and very discouraging. And I think in the West, you only get earthly news. A bombing here, a bombing there. But there is also heavenly news. We know what is going on spiritually, and we see things that not everybody is seeing. We see things that you are not hearing, and we see the multitudes coming to the knowledge of Christ from every background. And so this brings joy to us. You know, what an amazing example of suffering and kingdom. What a challenging example of suffering and kingdom. You know, lifting our eyes to see a new, a renewed picture of who Jesus is, uh, having a revelation that takes the veil 
off this heavenly perspective is so important because it changes our perspective on everything. This bolder vision of Jesus assures us that God is bigger than everything else that we see going on around us. Bigger than the faces, the challenges that we face today. You know, a reminder that God is at work today amongst us, amongst his creation, and a guarantee about our destiny with him for eternity. This is why it's so important for us to continue to lift our eyes up and to allow our eyes to go out. And so we had this challenge last week. It's the same challenge today. What do you see? You know, what do you see? Is this the Jesus that you see? Because here's the really challenging bit. People will only see in you what you see. So what do you see? Because the, the next step is that we want to talk about how we allow others to see what we see. But if we don't see it, then no one's going to see it in us. We are companions in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. Patient endurance. I love that. I, I, I was doing a whole little bit of study on, on, on just these three words. And actually, when you look at this word patient endurance, there's a whole kind of root in there that's all about hopefulness. You know, in fact, some people say you could translate it as cheerful endurance. And actually, when, when, we, when we read about endurance in Scripture, so often it's always bracketed by, by the idea of hope. We endure because we have hope. We endure because we are going somewhere that is worth going to. We don't just endure because we've got no other choice. We endure because we're heading somewhere that is really great. It's hope. This is all about hope. You know, this is the thing that brings together suffering and kingdom. We're sat in the middle with patient endurance, which is undergirded by hope. We are a people of hope. And it's the message of hope that we want to give out to all of those around us. You know, and I'm so excited that we get to do that together here at St. Paul Shadwell, that we get to be companions together in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, that we get to hope together, that we get to move forward in hope together. Uh, you know, we were talking about growth earlier. I love talking about growth. You know, I love talking about growth because it's one of the most amazing ways that we can really see visually how it is that we're able to express love and hope and care for some of the most vulnerable people in our community. You know, I love the fact that we have opportunities to do that together as companions here at St. Paul Shadwell. We've got some amazing other opportunities as we kind of think about this London project how is it that we are going to transform our communities of London? You know, we had an amazing opportunity. I'm not going to tell you any details now, but please, if you want to, come and find me afterwards. But there's an amazing opportunity that we've got as a church to help um, uh, with some refugees and some people in forced labour who've been trafficked in London. And the police have approached us, and we're, we're going to be getting involved in some of uh, that work. And if you want to talk to me about that, come and see me afterwards. It's sensitive, but there's an amazing opportunity that we have as a church uh, to bless those who are vulnerable in our community, to bring hope 
to bring a message that is different, that isn't just suffering, but also ends in kingdom. You know, one of the things that's happening here, we've got a, we've got a house in, in Wapping that we're now calling our mission house. Uh, we've been really blessed by a, a trust um, that have allowed us to use this house. And, uh, and we've got some, some folk in there, uh, some of you you'll know, who all kind of have um, uh, sort of different emphases and ways that they're reaching out to our community, whether that's in sort of community uh, arts and through schools, whether that's working with our young people, whether that's just out on the streets, uh, knocking on doors, engaging in, in, in our community. Uh, you know, we want to have a, mi- a mission house. So mission is up on the agenda You know, we want to name it and say, this is what we do. You know, one of the things I'd love to see emerge this term is kind of a mission action group that pulls together those people and others uh, who, who who are really desperate to reach out into our community here in Shadwell uh, and in Wapping. You know, not just that we might have ones or twos of people that are doing this stuff, but that actually we might have a group who are here to facilitate the rest of us, to say, come on, how are we going to get out and do this stuff together? How are we going to get into Watney Market and pray for people and bring a message of hope to those who need it there? You know, how are we actually going to get out and build relationships with the young people who are hanging out here on these estates? Uh, The kind of young people who are involved in gang life, who are involved in violence and crime. The people that we do read about and can read about today in our news feeds. You know, these are some of the great opportunities that we have to patiently endure as companions together, bringing a message of hope that kind of stands alongside suffering and kingdom. You know, we started Alpha this week. Uh, I met someone else just literally yesterday who came uh, and was just hanging around because they wanted to to find me here to tell me that they want to come and join Alpha this Wednesday. It was great. It was chucking it down with rain. Uh, he, He was here under his umbrella waiting so he could find me to tell me that he wanted to come to Alpha on Wednesday. You know, we've got a message of hope to share with our community. We all get to be involved in that. Uh, You know, I think we've got a message of hope that we can use as we look at what's coming, as we think about what's next, as we innovate together. Yeah, it feels like there's a real momentum that is beginning to build amongst our work with young people. Yeah, I love what's going on here with our young people here and, and trying to bring a new and fresh momentum in our youth group here. Uh, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, uh, in partnership with XLP and with Ambassadors and, and London City Mission, we're out on the estates in Shadwell uh, and meeting loads of young people uh, who have never been to church. Uh, we're building relationships, having conversations with them. You know, I'm really hopeful for what might happen as they interface with the message of Jesus. You know, it terrifies me too, because it's probably going to be really messy, you know. But actually, that's the kind of space that we exist in as we patiently endure together. You know, it's why we want to be raising up leaders. You know, all of us get an opportunity to lead and to step forward as companions together, spurring one another on. It's why we want to go on planting churches. You know, I love the opportunities that we have as a church, this little church here, to continue to resource outside of our boundaries. 
You know, what an amazing privilege it is to have been able to plant four significant churches over the last 10 years, and then even in the last couple of years to be able to commission our grandchild down in Cannon Town, to be able to send out three or four families to go and support that. You know, we continue to support the guys down in Southwark and get alongside them. You know, you might have seen them at Focus with Ed and Katie and families that have gone out down there. You know, there's an excitement about planting and about giving away. There are folk that are are speaking to me at the moment saying actually you know we've got this amazing idea we'd love to go and do something you know I'm really excited about this because I think that's who we are you know these are the opportunities that God is giving us to continue to give away this message of hope it's amazing what God can and will do through us as we just keep our eyes lifted up and out I wanted to introduce you to him uh, this morning, but he's had to go and he's at a, a meeting uh, elsewhere. But uh, we have a Catholic priest who is interning with us uh, for six months called Father Bernard. I'll introduce him to you uh, maybe next week or, or the week after. Um, there's been an amazing opportunity that has been offered to us as a church to impact how the Roman Catholic Church is planting and innovating and giving away. You will know that over the last three or four months, we've had three amazing events where we've been able to stand in unity together uh, with our Catholic friends, uh, be able to worship together, prophesy over one another. And and there's a momentum that is building in the Catholic church for church planting. And for some reason, we've got involved in that. This is just the stuff that the Holy Spirit is bubbling up amongst us. And I get so excited about it. You know, I think there's an amazing value that we hold here of unity and of generosity, of how we can work with difference, work with others who are really different to us, but actually we can give away this message of hope as we stand generously as companions together. There are so many incredible opportunities that we have to give away hope. And as we gather on Sundays, as we meet in groups during the week, as we think intentionally about the way that each one of us can give into the vision of this church to make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches, it's an amazing thing. But it all has to begin with a vision of Jesus that breaks us out of the moulds that we catch ourselves in, that lifts our eyes up off of ourselves, gives us a lens to view all of our context. You know, God is calling us to be bolder, to give bolder, to love bolder, to do suffering, to do kingdom, to do patient endurance in a way that spreads hope and love and life all around East London. What a privilege that we have to do this stuff together.